But the one thing that has always drawn me, no matter where I would go and what I would study, I'd always come back to one thing. It was a relationship between sheep and shepherds. Now, being a Western nation, we do not understand what sheep and shepherd relationships are. And so I got books. I looked up anything and everything to make it, to understand what he was saying to us through the word of God. Because all the way through the word of God, what does he talk about? Sheep, lamb, shepherds. And if you lived back in the Middle East and you lived back in that time, you understood what he was saying. But you had to gather information from those that know something about that to really know what God is saying to us. It's going to be a series. It's not going to be a one-time shot because there's no way you can do it. Matter of fact, this week I was trying to put it together and I finally put it down. I said, okay, pull out what you want because they're just golden nuggets all through the Word of God about this relationship. The Bible that verses that we're going to be using for this study to begin with is going to be Psalms 23. It's one that everybody knows. Most Christians, even if they've never been in the church, they know Psalms 23. But you and I really don't know Psalms 23 either. A lot of times they, they lay it out when people die. Nope. Psalms 23 is about walking through life with the shepherd day in and day out. And sometimes you make a cycle of walking with the shepherd of 20, Psalms 23, maybe two, three times, sometimes even maybe every week. It depends on where you're going and what you're doing. But it is a living relationship with God. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd to feed. I may have to get my glasses out. God and to shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the path of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear nor dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my brimming cup runs over. Surely our only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love 
shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. Before, this is going to be an introduction. Before we can even begin to look at relationship, we've got to look at this awesome God that we serve. And the best we can within our finite mind, let's look at him just a minute. He spoke and he refurbished the earth. He spoke and there were stars. He spoke and whatever he spoke was the plan that he had and it was all in this creative being called Elohim. That's the creative part of God. And you and I can look at the stars and you and I can feel like, well, you know, have you ever seen many people that think they've got God figured out? Have you ever seen any people that walked in the world and didn't know God and they thought they were so smart? Because they figured out maybe how God may have done one little small thing. <laughs> you cannot be smart with the intelligence of God unless you can make that thing. Unless you can speak that thing and bring it into being. And if we, as a people, cannot look out there and see this, we truly are dumb sheep. Truly are dumb sheep. But God, when he created the heavens, you know, the, if you take the earth, which we're on, and you travel to the nearest star, which is Alpha Centauria, and you look back with the most sophisticated telescope, did you know you can't even find us? We can't be found. But God knows every hair on our head. He knows when you lose one. He knows when it turns gray. He knows everything about us. Our God is so hard to describe that all we can do is just take words and try to put it together to understand his awesomeness, his love for us, the things that he wants to give to us. And the way that he spoke, spoke the most to us, again, let, let me just... Bring this down a little bit. Mm. We're dot in space, right? And God created time. Time, God is eternal. 
He created time. Time started back when he refurbished the earth, and it will end when he refurbishes the earth again, and he makes a new heaven and a new earth. But in this time, there have been masses, masses of people that have come through. God knew every one of them. Call them by name if he had to right now. He knows everything that he's ever done and planned. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He is. And that's all we need to know. Because you and I are a dot on a dot on a dot. But he knows where we are. And he knew that we would be in here this morning at this time. He knew that this was the time that we would be on earth. And from the minute, from the very minute of our conception, not when we're born, from the minute of our conception, we are eternal beings. And we are eternally gods? Are we eternally doomed to death, doom, and destruction? And the choice is ours. Never forget that. Every step of we take every day, the decision we make, brings us closer to him or further from him. But now let's look. Have you ever heard anybody try to explain salvation? Yeah. Let me just give you an example. Let's say I go into a forest, and I'm walking through this forest, and I see all these little squirrels just popping in and having a good time. But I've just come off the road, and I realize that they're there. There's a caravan of lumberjacks on the way. And they're aiming to cut down every tree and destroy everything in this forest where these little squirrels are. And I want to, to the best of my ability, to go in there and say, little squirrel, come, let me follow you. Follow me, follow me, follow me. I'm going to lead you to a place where you will not be destroyed. And if there was any way I could do that, because the squirrel would run from me, but if there's any way I could do that, I would do that. And you say, well, yeah, no. That kind of explains it. No, it doesn't. That is a creature, number one creature, God's best thinking creature, trying to reach down to a lower creature, Trying to save them. That's not salvation. Salvation is the creator of all things placing himself in a sinful flesh and walking before us and saying, this is what I created you to be. Look at me. Look at me. 
And there were those that got to see him face to face. Well, you can still see him face to face. If you want him, he'll show you who he is. You'll see him. But you got to know that within Jesus Christ, God, the creator of all things, loving his creation and you and me enough that he gives up everything that he is and he comes and puts everything into a body. And in that body, that one body, is the worth of every person that has ever been from Adam until the end of time. In that one human body. And that human body says, I will do it your way, God. I am here for a plan and I am here for a purpose. And he walked before men and said, this is what you were created to be. He's a good shepherd. We were shepherds until the fall, then we became sheep. We're going to deal with all that. But God says, I love you enough that I'm sending myself down here and I'm sending, where does he put his, I've said this over and over again, where does he put his power? Anybody remember? In his word. If you want the power of God in your life, you speak his word. You learn the rhema word. You know what God is saying and doing. That's where his power is. It breaks through darkness. It breaks through anything. It's in his word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So when he came and died on that cross and gave his blood into the holy of holies in the heavenly place for us, he bought us back. All those that came before him, if they believed in a God and believed that Jesus Christ, they believed that there was something greater than... God made the way for them to be his. Because it says in Romans, not one person on this earth has not given, been given the option to believe or not to believe. So if you go to hell, your choice. Do you go to heaven? Your choice. So he died on that cross. And that's such a love relationship. Man. Think about what he did for us. He knew that he was going to die in the most horrible death of all deaths. No matter what happens to any of us, we've never or never will experience what he experienced for us. But we get back now to the relationship. God tries his best to give us the understanding of his love and his relationship with us by studying sheep and shepherds. All the way through the Bible, who was the first shepherd? Abel. 
Then we go to Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. We go on to Isaiah. I mean, you find it in other places, but you go on to Isaiah, the 11th, 30th chapter, 11th verse, I think it is. I can't remember. But he says, I will feed them like a shepherd. And he says, I will gather the lambs up. He says, I will put them on my bosom and carry them. And he says, those that are with young, he says, I will lead them gently. And then he goes, you go on to Ezekiel 34. Oh, Ezekiel 34. That's where he talks about bad shepherds. And he says, the condition of those shepherds are horrid. They're not interested in the sheep. All they want to do is fleece the sheep. All they want to do is break them and use them. They don't care about them. And he says, in that, he says the condition of the shepherds, they're selfish. They don't, just don't care about anybody else. But then he says what he's going to do to those shepherds. Not good. And I don't know whether you've ever been under a bad shepherd or not. I have. But if you're under Satan, you're under a real bad shepherd. But then he says... He's going to seek and save all those who are lost. That's a lot in the verse, chapter. And then we come to the New Testament. <laughs> and what, as Jesus comes on the scene, what does John say? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus, one of the things that he says is this. He says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. You thought he thought about it, didn't you? He made that up. He's quoting Ezekiel 34, 16. He is the Father in flesh that has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then you go to John 10. Oh, John 10. You know, Psalms 23 is the lamb or the sheep talking about the shepherd. In John 10, it's the good shepherd talking about his sheep. And it's awesome. Then we come to Revelation. And this is the verse that God had just been just bombarding me with the last few weeks is there is the lamb. It's Revelation 7. 17. There is a lamb, the lamb, standing in the center of the throne. That is the shepherd 
that leads us to springs of water of life. And I read that and I kept reading and I kept, you know, a sheep, one of the things that a sheep does is they um, ruminate. That means they chew on things all the time. And that's what you do with God's word. You just chew on it. If he gives you something, just keep chewing. Pretty soon he's going to plop something down there that's going to just blow your mind away because he does that. But he says we're sheep. But I remind you again, we were created from the beginning as shepherd. When we fell, we became sheep. Now, let's look at the, some processes here. As I said, this is an introduction. We're going to go into intricate details as we go through this series. But I had to argue with God when I first found out, when I started reading this, sheep are stupid. Sheep are stupid. They have mob mentality. Mob. You know, I read where there was a whole bunch of sheep. One sheep ran off a cliff. And the whole herd followed him. Yeah, it's true. And they said that there was a blizzard and it was so cold that the sh a whole herd of sheep wanted to get together to stay warm, warm, and they did. But they smothered to death. A sheep without a good shepherd will last about two days. You let a sheep alone, They'll drink polluted water. They don't know enough to get in out of the sun when it's baking on them. You have to lead them out. They don't know if they can go find a shade tree. You have to lead a sheep. Now let's look at this a little bit more. This is what God dropped in me not too long ago. You know, they, they tell us that man with our natural minds right now, that we use 10% of our brain. You know what that said to me? That said to me at the fall, I lost 90% of my abilities. But I can get it back. You hear that? And you think of all the things that... The 10% the, the he left us with was to get along in this world. And we can. Man, you can see all the bad. You can see it, you know. You can hear it. You can feel it. That was the senses. But to know what's really going on, you tap into the eternal God. And you walk with him. Folks, he will give you insights on things, show you things, and you can look at somebody and you don't care what they say or how many times they say it, you'll say, 
No. That's not right. You're lying to me. I remember I worked at the prison when I first got saved and there was this girl that, that <laughs> would come. She would sit there every day and she'd tell me something. I'd look at her and say, you're lying to me. I said, you're lying to me. And she knew it. I loved her, spoke to her about God. But folks, God, if we want ability, so many times we want to be mature, we want to know things. If you want to know things, God is the source. God is the source. He made us. He created us. He, he knows what he needs to do. Don't we maybe talked about restoring our minds? Get what he's talking about. Restoring our minds. Giving us understanding of what really is real. But we're going to talk more and more about sheep. Now let's look at shepherds. Mm. Shepherds were tough people. Shepherds, it was like, let's say that I hire Chuck over here to be a shepherd. If I wanted, he would be a shepherd of all of this. Maybe Byron, Perry, maybe even parts of Macon. And, and if you have some sheep, you have some sheep, you have some sheep. We all hire him to be our shepherd. Now, that is a big responsibility. And back in the, in the, in the Jesus' day and David's day, you had a really, you were trusted. If somebody made you a shepherd, you were trusted. Because when you took those sheep, they each one have had the mark of every person that owned them in the ear. And if anything happened to even one of those sheep, you had to go back to the owner and you wouldn't walk up there and say, I'm sorry, I lost your sheep. I don't know what happened, but I lost it. Uh-uh. No way. You would go back to that person and say, I'm sorry, I lost your sheep. This is what happened. And I, within an inch of my life, tried to save this sheep, and I was not able to do it. A shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Mm. They're strong. And did you know that 24-7, 365, a shepherd, maybe they're under shepherds, but somebody is watching the flock day and night. Sheep are never left by themselves. Never. And now, let's turn to little David, the author of Psalms 23. We know that David was anointed king, wasn't he? 
Did you know that David had seven brothers? He was number eight. If you count them right, unless they hide them somewhere else in the Bible, I ain't found them. Tell me if they have. What does eight stand for? New beginnings. David was new beginnings. Through David came the Messiah. Solomon was the lineage of Joseph. The second son of David and Bathsheba was, was Nathan was Mary's, the pure one, the one that brought the Messiah in. With David started a whole new, a whole new ball game. Jesus called the son of David. But look, Samuel called him in, went through all the brothers, brothers and finally landed on him and an anointed him king. And where did he go? Did he, did he go to the castle? <laughs> where did David go? He went back to the field. David is called the shepherd king. David learned fellowship and relationship with God in the pasture. In the pasture. In the fields where he would, you know, it said David would take on lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, you know. <laughs> would take on, even with his bare hands, the beast. And he would did David do that by himself? No. David knew anything he touched, he was called of God. And do you remember when the daddy called him out of the field? And he says, okay, go take some grub to your brothers over fighting. Remember they were fighting Goliath? So here comes a little lamb, Okay. Little bitty David. And he sees this Goliath, and David gets there, and Goliath is defying them. And David thinks, man, who's going to go? Who's going to go and take care of him? Because David thinks that's the first time he's done it. He doesn't realize this has been going on for six weeks, and God had to send him. You're, you know he was sent, don't you? And he says, I come in the name of the Lord. He says, I will take him on little bitty David. He says it five times. And he gets five smooth stones. Been run over by the river. You know, if you run over by the river, the Holy Spirit, that's the reason you need to stay in the presence of the Lord. He will smooth you out. So David took five smooth stones. He didn't only, only needed one. 
They said he had four brothers. I don't know. I just think it was the number grace because David knew God. And he puts it in his little satchel, gets his little slingshot, and he kills him, cuts off his head, takes his sword. A giant. But David knew the giant. It was the living God. And there was nothing that could be him. He knew him. Over and over again, David, the things that David did. And if you remember David, if there was ever anybody in the natural that looked like they were not anointed by God and going to ever come to their place, as king, it was David. He was forever being chased. Was David perfect? No, he was not. He just knew the one that was. And he was vitally connected. Everything that he did, he knew that he did with God. See, we've got to come to the place where we know that we're in him, and when we do something he calls us to do, it, we're not doing it for him, we're doing it from him. From him. That takes waiting on God. That takes spending time out in the pasture and letting God work things in your life. He never gets through. There's always another layer. So now we come to the beginning of Psalms 23. And you would think probably David wrote Psalms 23 and 27 at the same time. Read those two chapters together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Then he goes into, this is 27, he goes to the, that fourth verse and he says, the one thing that I just seek the Lord for is that every day of my life I will be in your presence. I require it. I seek it. I got to have it. David knew God. And you think probably he wrote those two psalms when he was out in the pasture and the, the stars were out. He had his little harp and he had wooed all the sheep to sleep. And it was nice and quiet. And he pulls out his parchment and he starts writing it out. You wouldn't you think that? No. When David writes Psalms 23, it is the one time that Saul, the one with chasing him, it's evil spirits that chase the anointing. Know that. Saul, under the anointing of the evil spirit, had David cornered, and there was absolutely no way out. There was no way out. He had him backed up. Couldn't go out the back, couldn't go out the side. Only way was through. And there stands David with his maybe 400 mighty men. And there stands Saul 
with all of his multitudes of army. And I just want to give you a little monologue. This is, I like this. You know, when, how many of you ever come into a crisis? Is anybody? All right. You know, with that 10% where we can see everything in the world, you know, let's just say that this is David. David calls a meeting. Now, he's chairman of the meeting. And so he looks out and he sees this multitude and his eyes say to David, wow, did you see them? Man, there are more than 10,000 of them out there and they're here to kill me. And the ears say, I even hear them. Man, they're stomping their feet with all those horses. Oh, And memory says, we've never had it this bad before. He's never had me like this before. Never had me this way before. <laughs> Who's in charge of what David's going to do? But David remembers Goliath. David remembers the bears and the tigers. He remembers all the things. Has God ever let him down? No. So David makes a declaration. And in the midst of this, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. And let's look at the word Lord a minute. Mm, mm, mm. You know, when God shows him his backside to Moses, that's the Lord, all capitals. He showed him I am, the backside of I am. When Moses said, when he was going to the Jews, he says, who do I tell him I'm coming for? Well, who do I say? He says, you tell him, you tell him I am sent you. I am that I am. I am that I am that put the stars in the sky. And everything moves together. Everything is in order. Who is the only one that gives God trouble as far as order? Number one creation. But he makes the declaration. He says, I am, that I am is my shepherd. And I will lack for nothing. You think he was a little nervous? How many of you have ever been in a place, and I've been there, and I know you have too, where there was no way out. I mean, my life was on the line. There was no way out. But the Lord 
was my shepherd. Now let's look at my shepherd a minute. David didn't say the shepherd, and he didn't say I shepherd. He said my shepherd. David is saying that I have found that place in God. that when I get in that place in God, it's my place. And I may love you, and I may really think a lot of you, but this is my place. This is me and God. But the neat thing about God, he's got a place like that for every one of us. I've got my place and you got your place. And what he's bringing us to as a body is that we all find that place. And then what can we declare? The Lord is our shepherd. And you think it said that Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. All of us coming from the place, the secret place of the Most High. Under the shadow of the Almighty, we can say, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. What am I to be afraid of? And when we all get in that place together, we are an army. And we are an army that cannot be stopped. But you've got to get in that place. The Lord told me to close with this. And I really had forgotten about it. I didn't understand it. But Alice has asked me so many times, how did you find that place? How did, how did you find that place? And I said, you know, I don't know. But the Lord showed me and reminded me. When I first came to the Lord, y'all think I'm crazy now. I should have been locked up for the first six months. I truly, I should have. And the Lord finally locked me up. But he was, from the very beginning, he was, he, he was giving me visions. He was showing me things. And I, I was really so naive. I thought that everybody else was getting the same thing I was getting. And I would go and I would share it with people. And they hated my guts. And I'm going, don't you belong to God? You know? Some people loved it. But see, I was a silly, immature sheep with a lot of zeal and not very much wisdom. Understand? There are things that God speaks to you and shows you, you just keep your mouth shut. Now, I don't mean I would go and tell people things that were bad. If I did that, I just couldn't do that. I always prayed over that. But if it was tidbits, if it was things that were exciting, I thought everybody wanted to know. No. They do. And I still to this day don't understand it. But they, you know, some people don't want to know. And if, you, if you're in that secret place, I guarantee you, you will get golden nuggets right and left. Because you're in there with him and he wants to talk. And if you're spending time with him, you are going to have something to say. But you've got to let him take you 
and put you out in the pasture like you did David. And you got to learn. So many people, they, you know, if you're famous or something, they'll say, oh, he's come to the Lord, or she's come to the Lord. And they put them out there on the stage, and they crumble, and they fall because the church didn't have the wisdom to know that people have to grow into the Lord. But what the Lord did with me, this silly, stupid little sheep, I used to think I had good ideas until God just kept pulling the rug out from under me and I went, I, I truly am a stupid sheep, Lord. I really see it. And he began to show me things of him. But there's a place in Psalms Psalms 46, and it says that God is a very present help in time of trouble. He's a high tower. And then there's another place where it says, be still and know that I am God. But if you look at that really careful, there's another translation that says, hush, I'm God. And one day he came to me and he said, not ugly or anything. He said, hush, I'm God. The things that I'm showing you are not for now. But then he did something, and I shared this with Alex because I finally told her how he put me in the secret place. He gave me a vision because my warfare was horrendous. Sometimes it was not because of me, but sometimes it was because of me. But my warfare was horrible. People really did not like me. <laughs> but the Lord gave me a vision of a rock, a hewn out rock, a rock like a cleft of the rock, and it was just a place for somebody to get in there. And he put me in there. And when he put me in there, oh, the warfare went away. And I was, I was, I was this little lamb right here. This is my favorite picture. I've got two of them at my house. Because whoever drew this picture knew the place. Knew the place. I'll put it up here. Well, no place to put it. But anyway, and he showed me this. And then I learned that every time warfare, I learned to shut my mouth. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I learned that he would tell me when I was to share. And then if he told me to share, if you didn't like it, that was too bad. But I learned when to share and when not to share. But any time the warfare was intense, he would give me the vision. I would visualize it. And I'd go in there and everything would go away. And the neat thing is he was standing in front of me. And the, if you look at the Good Shepherd and you look, in John 10, it says Jesus is the door. And when the sheep were put to rest or needed to rest, they would build, the shepherds would build 
Oh, they would go to all kind of trouble to make sure no animals, nothing could get to the sheep. And the door was where the shepherd was. And to get to the sheep, they had to come through the door. And that's Jesus, and you're not coming through. And when God gave me that revelation that he was the door, and when I was in this place, I was safe. I was secure. And there had been times when my life was on the line, and he put me in that place, and I knew I was safe. You could come with any army you wanted to. And I'd run to that place. But then there came a day, and he's saying this to you because this is what he's doing. Some of you know that place, but I'm going to tell you there's always a deeper place. There's always another level. He came to me. I always had my, Saturday morning was my time, well, Friday night and Saturday was my time with the Lord. No, within, not in any interruptions. And I was having my coffee and I was just sitting there with my Bible. And the Spirit of the Lord came in. It was so real. It was like they really had pulled up a chair and sat down beside me. And he said to me, we've come to make our abode with you. And I knew what he was saying to me is that you're in that secret place and you never come out of that secret place. And that's where he's bringing his church. That we abide in that secret place. But no matter how mature or whatever, wherever level, he, and he's, he's taken us from sheephood to shepherdhood. You know that. But you'll never get to the place where you're not under the guard and the protection and the guidance of the good shepherd. Because if you ever, if you read John 15, it tells you you gotta be connected to the vine. And if you ever can become a disconnected to the vine, it says the father comes along and cuts you off. So don't ever think that it is not vital that you stay constantly with him. Read his word. I say to you again, where did he put his power? He put his power in his word. Does that mean you memorize it? No, that means you just know it. You just know it. There are too many translations to try to memorize. I read all, you know, different. But he says, no, his word. And if, he need, if you know his word and you need a Raymond word, honey, he'll pull it up out of you. I know it. He'll pull it up out of you and you'll know what to speak. And there is not a demon in hell, Satan himself bows to the word of God. In Jesus' name, he'll do it every time. So whatever we're going through, God is bringing us to a new place. And that's where we're going to close because we are really going to be looking at this over and over again. We're going to see (laughs) how the little sheep, what they do and what the Lord does for them. But let me just share this with you. Do you you remember when you first came to the Lord? Do you remember how he draped you over his shoulder? Anytime a sheep is born into the flock, the first thing it does, the shepherd puts him over his shoulder. 
or her and carries them, gets a, gets a, builds a relationship. Remember when you first came to the Lord, even before you prayed, you get your answer? Do you, mem- do you remember that? That's when he was carrying you. But he's bringing us to the place that we're going to carry others. Not to build our kingdom, to build his kingdom. Because there's only one shepherd. But he's doing this with us. God has been speaking to me about you. Not anything but good stuff. And I will give you those words as he releases me to do that. But there are calls on the people in this place. They're mighty calls. And this is for young people. Young people. Young people and old people too. (laughs) But God has a plan. And he is going to do it. He's going to lay it out. And he will do it. And our responsibility is to spend time with him. When you spend time with him, he talks to you. When you spend time with him, the word, it's a living word. It is alive. And there's power in it. There's more power in the word of God than there is in an atom bomb, people. He had to split the atom. Who made the atom? If he wants to split it with his word, he can do it. I'm just telling you, if we want to walk, you, you know, the, the word tells you if you be, you're a Christian, it's, it's, oh, man, that's boring. Uh-uh. If you really tap in to the living God, it's the most exciting walk you could ever, ever have. It never gets old. And it's new every morning. And he's big enough and he loves us enough. He will come and get us wherever we are. And he's not going to lose us. He carries us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for you. And I just praise you and I worship you. Lord, don't let anything fall to the ground that you've said here today. Let it be life to all of us because you've got places that you want to take us and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen.